0: episode of everything imaginable i am your host gary cacciolillo before we get started i want to thank all everybody for listening and thank the contributors to my show who are executive producers candace sanderson author of the reluctant messenger and ms aida psychic and author of who do justice magic binaural production engineer Damien keller author of sounds good sounds great monthly co-host jared murphy author of is not aliens it's worse it's us and monthly co-host Kat Baldwin, author of the Forgiveness Workshop. And this show is sponsored by tarotbyginger.com. Check it out and you can find out what is influencing your life. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is William J. Donahue. He has a new book out called Crawl on Your Belly, All the Days of Your Life. And we have spoken before. It is his second time on the show. And a description of this book sounds like the story of my own
1: life. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey Gary, how you doing? I appreciate you having me on. I'm um, all right. So this book,
0: what why did you write it? What influenced it?
1: So it's funny, I um I have a friend of mine named Chris Bauer. He's a he's a an author, and, and uh, he writes really good thrillers. And he has this saying that he uses, um, and it's the the thing that I write will be the thing that I write. And uh, you know, I never really asked him what he meant by that, but but I think he means that he just writes the story that comes to him. And uh, this was the story that came to me, uh, based somewhat on some experiences that I went through. Uh, essentially, the, the book is about things that you mentioned. Like I said, it's um it 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 sounds similar to your life, but I I think the theme is something that a lot of people can relate to. Um, You know, everyone knows that song, that the Talking Heads song with David Byrne says, uh, he reflects on his life and he says, you know, this is not my beautiful house, this is not my beautiful wife, how did I get here? Um, So the character in my novel has kind of a similar epiphany, um, only he can understand why his life looks so underwhelming compared with the one he imagined and kind of the one he walked away from. So he kind of, uh, he kind of blows it up and that's where the story starts.
0: I, I think this is a place that almost all people, or at least men find themselves almost to get that midlife crisis point where we you reflect back and it's easy to compare like where I, we thought we were supposed to be at this point in our lives and where we actually are. And uh, I know for me, sometimes I look back, look at my life now, I'm like, man, I just failed miserably.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and uh, yeah, and yeah, I think you're right. I think it probably is maybe something, maybe at least from the people I talk to, maybe it does affect men more than women. But uh, I, I did work with a few women that I've had these kinds of conversations with where um, you get to a point where you look back and you, you you try to make all the right decisions. You do what you're supposed to do. And then you get you wake up one morning and you're like, huh, this is really not what I expected. Um, And then, you know, some people, they try to make changes and uh, they're just still stuck. And some people like like Sid, the main character in my novel, he um, he's stuck, too. But he doesn't really know how to make the changes because in some ways people have kind of told him what to do or, or he's just kind of followed these directions. So instead of making a normal change, he just does something really stupid and drastic and uh, things just go horribly horribly wrong. So I mean that's you need those kind of uh, conflicts in a, in a, to make a book interesting. Um, so he was uh, he was he was a fun character to write
0: hmm. so, so with Sid when he reaches that point, like what happens to him? Does he snap? does he does he just come up with like a really bad idea and follow
1: through with it? It starts off. So I, I, the whole story started with uh, the idea of uh, a married man and a single woman having an affair, and uh, the the affair ends badly. But he survives it. He gets through it. He's still in his marriage. He still has his kids. Uh, you know, his he he gets away with it, so to speak. Um, and then I'm I, I thinking, like, you know the 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 paramour, the woman, the single woman that he had the, he had the affair with, uh, a parent dies and he finds out about it and he decides, you know what, I'm going to go to the funeral and uh, and pay my respects. And which sounds to me like a really bad idea, especially for an affair that's gone badly. So um, so that's where the novel begins in terms of him going to, to see his, his former paramour and going to the church. And you, you can imagine uh, how that goes. Um so, he, again, his life just kind of just spirals after that because it's dealing with all the consequences uh, and the aftermath of that. And the rest of the novel or, or much of the novel afterward is is him kind of picking up the pieces and uh, lamenting what happened, but also trying to really trying to, to start over. Hmm. And it's that starting over, I think, that um, a lot of us think about and but a lot of us don't really know where to begin.
0: No, no. It, and also I will say like I think too is starting over. You can't necessarily even plan it. You just kind of have to live through some shit.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um and a lot of people have asked me, you know, is, you know, is there a lot of this, you know, is this based on experience? And uh I, I, I like you said you uh you went through some stuff too. And, uh, I did too. Um, so, but this novel, it is, it's all fiction, but, uh, it's exaggerated version of what I went through. Um, you know, 15 years ago, I was, I was, uh, I'll start off like the whole thing, like Sid, he was in a band. Uh, he was in a punk band when he was like in his uh, teens and early twenties and he was getting to a good point, but he wound up walking away from it. I did the same thing. And, uh, I made the, made these decisions to go out and get a quote unquote, normal job and all that kind of stuff. So about 15 years ago, um, I was getting to a decent point in my career. I had a job I really liked. I was working for a company in Chicago, working with some really excellent people. Um, and I felt like I was doing well, but I I couldn't help but feel that I was, um, doing something wrong, I guess. And so I wound up leaving that job. Um, without a safety net. And the the plan was, uh, you know, my wife and I, uh, we'd gone through some stuff. We, we got separated, we almost got divorced. And, uh, so the decision was made like, you know, I was, I quit the job in Chicago and we were going to move up to New England. I was going to start a communications company. She was going to get a job as a nurse. And, um, so that was the plan. Mm -hmm. I should also mention that this was in August, September of 2008, right before the recession. And so all of a sudden, everything just got zeroed out. And uh, I was without a safety net. I had no job, no prospects. And uh, I spent the next year and a half kind of just trying to get my head right and probably also drinking more red wine than anyone should. But um, it was it was that kind of experience that put the balls in motion for this story. It was just kind of uh, reflecting on all that stuff and all the pain and the heartbreak and, um, you know, some growth that came out of that, I guess. Hmm. Did your relationship survive? Are you still with it, this person? It did. Um, so it's uh, my wife. We've been together for I, I'm in my mid to late 40s now. We've been together for almost 30 years. Wow. Um, so we're high school sweethearts. Um, but yeah, so 95 percent of our relationship has been awesome. But we went through this, you know, five or six year period that was really difficult and uh, we almost didn't make it. Um, but you know, we're, we're in the best place we've ever been as far as I'm concerned. Um, so yeah, it was, it was tough. It was really tough, but, uh, but we did make it. Incredible. So you guys survived COVID together too. Yes. Yeah, we did. Yeah. That was, I I don't know. I don't know how your COVID experience has been. Um, mine has been mostly pretty good. Um, you know, we, we, we got it last year, but, uh, it was mild because, you know, whatever, but, um. But yeah, the the experience overall of uh, just how life has changed since has been pretty good.
0: Hmm. Nah, I don't know. I missed rock and roll and going out and eating out and uh, not a big COVID fan.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I I hear you. It's been nice to like life has returned somewhat to normal. Um, I I know you and I share some um, some uh, some musical tastes. Uh, so it's been nice to go start to go back to shows and, and start to go back to restaurants and stuff like that. Yeah, there's definitely some things that I miss. But um, I don't know. My uh, I used to be a pretty social person. I I am an, an introvert. But uh, I would say like basically most of the people I see are my are my my dog and my cats mm-hmm. and, and my wife. And that's pretty much it. Hmm. And that's OK. <laughs>
0: I'm somewhere in between introvert and extrovert, depending on the situation, I think. Um, So, with the book, one of your characters is interested in the universe and supernatural and consciousness and things like that. Is that something that you are interested in, or was that something that you had to research to write about? Because, I mean, obviously... Those are usually the main topics of this podcast.
1: Yeah, Uh, I am. I've always been interested in more of like uh, the dark side of things. Like you know, when when ever since I was a kid, I was always drawn to darker stories and supernatural type stuff. Um, I'm not a spiritual. I'm not a religious person. I would say I'm I'm a spiritual person, and I you know I'm smart enough to know that I don't know what happens after we leave this earth. Uh, I'm incredibly, I'm fascinated by it. And I have friends who kind of live in that space, uh, like light workers and, and all that kind of stuff. So I love having those kinds of discussions mm-hmm. about why we're here, where we're going, um, all that kind of stuff. I just think it's fascinating. Um, I don't have any answers, but, uh, I, I think those discussions are awesome. Interesting. So, I mean, as an
0: author, and I also know that you do, you know, local places and, and you do a lot of different things um so you're a very well-rounded person what do you think like like do you think that well
1: first do you think that reality is even real or do you think this is just some messed up dream like a like a matrix type situation you know the more I, nothing would surprise me um I, I want to think that we're all here for a reason and and uh, i i think it's funny. I was having this conversation yesterday just about like linear reality and stuff like that and how, you know, maybe we're here just to experience things, to experience love, to experience pain and suffering and all that kind of stuff. And um I one of the friends I, I was talking about, we have these discussions about, you know, we choose the life. We, we've all been here before. We'll be here again and we can come back kind of almost whenever we want um, in terms of uh, it's not linear. Like we're, once we die, we don't have to come back in 2022 or, 20, or 2023, 2024. Mm. We can go back to 40,000 years BC or whatever it was. Um, and some of us, like you see some people that have these really, really, really difficult lives. It's just like one one kick to the teeth after another. another. And uh, that's just so, to me, it, when, you, when you see that, it's just so unfortunate. But um, so the perspective is, at least from this one friend of mine is we choose that experience just so we can experience it because our, our higher self or our bigger self or our everlasting self kind of understands that, you know what, this is all temporary. So I'm going to get this experience just to see what it feels like. And then after that, I'll have another experience. And that, and that one can be a more joyful experience. Um, Coming back as a, a billionaire with, you know, every resource imaginable. Um, so I think that's interesting um, because it certainly does give us a well-rounded perspective. That would give us a more well-rounded perspective on just what it's like like to be a human being. Um, is it true? Who knows? But I think it's a great theory. Interesting. When people propose
0: that theory to me all the time, I always say, I don't think I would have chose this life. And I think I got tricked into it because somebody waved a bunch of, uh, you know, the way it's like uh, sex, drugs, and um, rock and roll, in front of me, and I, I went for it, and I completely missed all the other shit.
1: <laughs> I hear you. Um, yeah, I, I get the. I don't know about you. I get the points where you know. For the most part, my life has been pretty good. Um, but I went through like, like you said, like I said, that period, like maybe fifteen years ago. Where I I literally did not think I was going to come out of it because it's like you get to a you're facing this problem and it won't go away and you don't know how to solve it and there is a really easy solution to do that it's a very a a very permanent solution Um, but working through that like there like that was really difficult I didn't think I'd get through it but here I am 15 years later and and life is pretty good Um, I like to think that you know, these challenges are temporary. Um, eventually something is going to shift. That, that's the way, that's the way I look at it. Of course, when you're going through that, you can't see, you can't see the, the, the positive stuff. All you can see is the problem that you're dealing with. But I, I'd like to think that eventually that the tides are going to turn. Um, even just looking at the world now, it seems like everything is completely upside down. Like everything is messed up. Um, I gotta think that's gonna change. Um, I just did a story on um, John Brown, the abolitionist, and it was, and I was just doing a lot of research about what our country was like back mm-hmm. then. And you know, you had the, the the slaveholders and the abolitionists, and everybody hated each other, and it was just really, really ugly. Same thing in the in like the '60s in the Vietnam era. Um, the the whole country was just completely broken apart. So I, I like to think that things are going to change both in our country and around the world that eventually things are just going to calm down and kind of go back to somewhat related to normal. So you don't, that's an optimistic view, man.
0: you know I, know, I, I know, I I look around and I'm like, I'm not even sure if I want to stay here. Yeah.
1: You know, it scares
0: you. It really scares me. I think the way things are.
1: Gary, I, I feel the same way. And, uh, Like you said, that is an optimistic way of looking at things. I don't always feel optimistic. There are times where I look around, I'm like, "What the hell happened?" And I can't imagine how it's going to get get better. But um, I I have to think that it's going to because uh, I I don't want to live. I don't now that I've I've gone through that darkness. I don't want to. I don't want to stay there. You know.
0: Yeah. Nobody wants to. You know, and this kind of runs parallel. To what you were saying about your character, you know, Um, where his life wasn't what he expected, you know, but also the world is definitely not what I expected as, you know, what I thought the world was going to be like when I was, you know, in high school at this point and
1: what it actually is are complete opposites. Can you can you talk about that a little bit in terms of like what did you think it would be and and obviously we know where we are what did you think what did you think we would, would be looking at I thought
0: um, we would have better use of technology for one you know I thought you know by now we would have access to energy and food and I thought um, the way people thought would be different I thought like people would open up to new ideas because of all the technology especially like when The internet came out and said, oh my god, this is going to really give people access to a lot of information and it's going to change, it's going to get, I thought it was going to get everybody on the same page and connect people, but instead it it, it somehow has done the complete opposite and has made people believe some of the most ridiculous crap a person could ever think of and it's being sold to people by leaders and we live in a completely distorted reality where I thought it was going to be a reality based on facts and
1: information. That's you put that so better than I could have. I absolutely agree with you. It's um, not, I use the word enlightenment is, is kind of silly, but yeah, it's just, um, I I think like outrage is such a, a powerful thing. Uh, and, and people really have a tough time letting that go. Um, I, the, the big my biggest issue over the past, however many years, even we'll say 10 years, um, it just, um, it's like you look at people differently because you can't trust people. Um, like, I really, I believe that people are capable of amazing things, but, um, just seeing, like you said, how people, the people's priorities and, and how people fight and people's anger, it's, uh, it, it's really troublesome.
0: How do you think we got from a place where like where we were, when we were younger growing up, looking towards a positive future, people being together, sharing information and helping other, each other to where we are now? Like, what do you think went wrong?
1: You know, sometimes I think like I, I used to have a phrase. I still use it. It's uh, everyone needs an enemy, and like every, when we were growing up, I think you and I are probably about the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up in the eighties, it was like you know the Soviet Union was our enemy, and then uh, and and they went away, and then we lived in relative peace for a while. It seemed for the most part, and then you know looking around, it seems like okay, well who who's our enemy now? And and now we're kind of just we're looking within, we're looking at each other, it's just like over these tiny little things, or like minor disagreements, it's like, you know, you are the other because you don't believe this way or you don't um, support this person or, or whatever it is. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think you hit it on the head in that you, you have uh, leaders in the, in the media to some degree who are just pushing these divisions. And once those once those divisions are, are put in place, it's really hard to repair them. Um, as we do live, we live in, in a pretty amazing time where we have all these resources. We have all we have technology that we're not putting to use, and we're just. It seems like we're causing problems instead of working towards something better. I, I can't quite. I can't quite place. I, I can't quite explain it because to me, it's illogical. I can't imagine why we would want to be fighting over these really stupid small things rather than working toward actually doing something good. But um I think it comes back to someone someone is benefiting. Someone or some multiple someones are benefiting from these visions and, and benefiting from causing these issues.
0: So what world do you envision twenty years from now? Like when we're seventy or like old guys? How do you think it is that we're going to – how are we going to look back at that, the 20 years between now and when we're like 70 years old?
1: Gary, oh, man. Like, that's like, a, like
0: we're 20 years now. Me and you are still doing a podcast. we?
1: Let's like, <laughs> wow, look at like this last 20 years. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. I That's a scary thought. I That's a thing I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine it at this point. Um, I really – the, the the optimist, the eternal optimist in, in – in, and me wants to say, you know, we're going to get to a point where something is going to shift, something's going to change and say, you know what? Let's move on and do something different. And I really hope that something different is peace and enlightenment and, and all that stuff. Um, and there's always going to be conflict. I know that, but I just really hope that we move past this like culture of enmity that has really just grown up here.
2: Hmm.
1: What do you think? it's a tough question. I mean, it's one that I
0: can't even answer. I think I have a darker, more apocalyptic view. Um, in a way that in order for us to really figure things out or to move forward, I think maybe unfortunately the current system needs to be demolished completely. And we have to kind of start over from a primitive level. Um, so my, I guess my view is a little bit darker, a bit more harsh and extreme. Um, but I, I can't see us being able to build something new and start over without wiping out what's currently in place, which is the media, the government, and the banks. Wow.
1: It, so what I said, my optimistic view I shared with you, I also envision myself walking down a desolate road with a shotgun on my back and, you know, looking over my shoulder with, you know, uh, the, the horizon on fire. Mm-hmm. I also see that. So um, I, I'm hoping for the more optimistic view of this. Because, you know, I, I'm at the point where, you know, the, the, the I've had the chaos in my life and now I just want peace. So the, the optimism comes from what I'm hoping for. Um, and it's it's really really easy to see the the dark vision. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you know, with me, like if the dark thing
0: happens, I'm gonna be too old to survive it anyway. Mm. Something will come along and just wipe me out. If I was a young man in my twenties, yeah, sure, I could handle an apocalyptic world. But uh, like seventy years old, I don't stand a chance.
1: <laughs> Well, I don't know. Like Snake Plissken, he'll be, he'll I'm sure he'll be around, and he'll be in his 70s or 80s. So uh, we, you know, we can get behind him. I don't know. This would actually be a good time for another Snake Plissken movie. Yeah, yeah.
0: Escape from yeah. LA is one of my favorite movies. Oh yeah, yeah, I love it.
1: I have I I'll be. I have never seen that all the way through. I I, I love John Carpenter. I love him, um, but I. I guess I, I geared more towards the uh, uh, the horror films, but uh, yeah, he is a great character, like Jack Bur- um Jack Burton, um like what the heck, is- Curtis, Kurt Russell, thank you, Kurt Russell, um, yeah, yeah, his characters are awesome, like like Jack Burton from Big Trouble in Little China. I just I loved him, but yeah, hmm. so um
0: with the you know we we both now live in the same area. And I know you do a lot of cultural stuff in the area. Um, are there any things happening locally in the Philly, Bucks County area that's uh, interesting? Any you know anything else like like anything that's off the wall? Like, I know there was recently a paranormal circus in the area. Did you did you hear about that? It looked I really did not. interesting.
1: No, I I can't imagine what a paranormal yeah. circus would be. Yeah, it was like last weekend. Do you, uh do you know much about it? I don't know anything about it. I just don't know okay. that what happened. I'm going to have to look into that. Um no. It's I mean the, the they're starting we're starting to see a lot more stuff come back, but it's mostly just kind of mainstream um mainstream stuff that's coming back online. Um but like you see a lot of a lot of more like artistic things coming back um like, you have, like, you will have, of course, like, the fun Broccoli Market and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, but there, there doesn't seem like to be nothing nothing that I am aware of. Just because, like I was saying earlier with the pandemic, um, my life has changed in terms of mostly I'm I'm home and in the woods most of the time. So I don't spend a whole lot of time among humans. Uh, so I might not be the best person to ask. I, I, I probably should be more aware of it, but um, nothing that I have heard of it's interesting the paranormal circus though i'm gonna have to check that out Hmm. so what is it like for you
0: now living in such a different way you know not having the interactions with people spending time closer to nature rather than you know going to philly and hanging out on south street and going to the clubs
1: um it's really been i'll say it's been wonderful um I, i like we, we live pretty much in the woods. So like right out back, I could just walk out back and, and just walk among trees and there's a crick down there and it's, just very peaceful. Um, so that's been like, that stuff has been great because it's a lot of re- like reflective time and that kind of stuff. Um, so when I am among people, I find myself getting much more anxious. Hmm. Um, So I've always, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like you, I I am mostly an introvert, but um, I really enjoy socializing too, or I have, Um, but now, so now, like when I'm out among people, um, I I just get, I get eager to move on, to be away from people. Um, I still enjoy going to shows, like I've been to two or three shows since December, and um, they've been a lot of fun, and it's been nice to kind of just step back into that world and listen to live music and be with people sharing that kind of experience because music is so, is so free. Um, But I just always find myself thinking about when it's over so I can be back spending time with trees and my animals and stuff like that. Uh, So in some ways it's, it's much more boring than the life I used to live, but I, I guess I'm okay with that just because it's, it's peaceful and there's no opportunities for conflict. So would you say that
0: uh, when you were younger you craved excitement and now you crave more like
1: contentment? That's a good way of putting it, yeah. Uh, I remember growing up, and it goes back to making decisions about what kind of life you want to live. And uh, I remember like, when I left the band and, and I you know, went to college and finished college and all that kind of stuff, and you worked toward a career and blah, 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 like you're, you're working toward this, some kind of ideal where it's supposed to be, um, I don't know, a certain kind, a certain kind of, of life and full of, of excitement and things like that. And but now I, I kind of feel like, OK, that was just a really stupid thing to work toward. Um, I, I just feel like. Peace is is the way to go in, in terms of just, you know, peace of mind and uh, and quietude. Uh, just because I, I find that just being inward looking is is pretty fulfilling, because your your imagination is pretty awesome. Um, so I, I don't need as much excitement as as I once did.
2: Hmm.
0: So how has that changed you? I, I mean, like I still do crave the excitement and the escapism of it. You know. Um and the adrenaline too, the adrenaline can be very addicting, you know mm. and that has not quite gone away from me um like do, do you uh like that's a drastic change and how does that reflect in some of your work like 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 obviously like maybe even shows up in your most current book. That that there's a switch in your in in the character's change, you know, the way he progresses.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a cool observation. That's a that's interesting. Um, I guess. I, I think I I have changed, and and in terms of the the writing, yeah, like my so my first book burn beautiful soul that was about a demon It was very dark and it was angry and it was horror and stuff like that. Uh, there is, there is horror in this book in the new book. Um, but it's more, it's more psychology, I guess it's more inward and it's more, um, I guess in a way it's, I, I think both books are kind of hopeful, but, uh, this one feels more grounded in reality, I suppose. Um, I'm not sure. I, 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 still have like the need for adrenaline and things like that. Um, but I guess I find them in different ways. I, I find them less through spending time with people and more by it's more solitude, I guess. Um, and maybe it's not so much adrenaline as it, as it is just movement and things like that. Um, but I feel, I feel okay with the change. I'm sure that that I will have opportunities to explore, more things that uh, that uh, get my heart moving and that uh, that are exciting, um, but to me it's it's like you know is there's like there's a trade off there's like a there's like this internal internal balance balancing question that you're trying to answer. So I, I overall I feel okay with it. Uh, I, I'm sure that not that this is a phase so to speak, but uh, I, I'm sure that uh, I, I will continue to evolve and, and find. New ways of of finding enjoyment, whether it is through going to a show or um, going to a paranormal circus or <laughs> or something like that. So you still play music? I uh, I haven't played live or, or recorded in a in a long time. Well, actually, I am um, my one of the, the one of the band that's playing uh, next. There's a big show in, in Philly next week, and uh, there's a band named Battalion Zoshka. And they're really good, and I was I did backing vocals on on uh, on that album. But uh, I'll pick up my bass and I'll play. I'll just run through like Megadeth songs or Cure songs or Accused songs or something like that, just to, just to mess around with it. But um, I, I don't I don't write songs anymore. I, I just kind of it up just to mess, mess around with it, just to kind of kill time here and there. Hmm. So you
0: have no desire to come back to the music world.
1: I have some regrets about, so it's been 25 years since I quit the band. And so I have some regrets about, I wish I would have stayed in it and done something different. Um, Instead I I went a different path, but uh, I I have some regrets about, about leaving it entirely. It's just like all of a sudden I woke up like, you know what, I'm done with this, I'm doing something else. Uh, I wish I would have taken a different approach.
0: I have those regrets too. I mean yeah. look behind me, you can still tell I love to play <laughs> with all the guitars. Oh wow, but, yeah. But um you know I, I wonder if I had continued, would I have been successful and I'd i be rich and famous and had tons of women now? Or would I or would it have killed me?
1: Hmm. Gary, that's that is um that's pretty amazing. Like what, that's something that happens in this book. Um, so the, again, the character, he was, um, he was in a a punk band. Uh, a pretty like vulgar punk band and it was kind of like a, it was like a Gigi Allen experience in some ways in terms of just like, like the guys in the band, they really gave themselves over to it. Like, like Bukowski did to what he did or what Hunter Mm -hmm. Hunter Thompson did with, with what he did. and, Sid, the character, my character, he uh, he wasn't quite ready to kind of pursue his appetites in the same way. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very alluring lifestyle, and I'm not sure what pulled you away from it. But for me, it was like, you know, okay, time to time to step away from childish things. Um, that was my thought process at the time. Even though it wasn't childish, it was a lot of fun. Um, but I think I got to a point where I realized, you know what? I'm not going to be famous doing this. I'm not going to be rich doing this. Um, I enjoy it, but I wasn't. I wasn't ready to to give my life over to it uh, in the way that the other guys in my band were. So, uh, I guess coming to that realization, I'm not sure if that's maturity or what. But uh, I, I do wish I would have stuck with it in some way. Yeah, like my band was called the
0: Scumbags, and like our big issue was just even keeping members. You know, just okay. people were quit. You know, uh, I mean, but the premise was, you know, we were just really disgusting, fought with the audience and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, even now, you know, um, like af- after the band, I-, I took a break for about seven years and then I was at an open mic one night. Somebody asked me to play. And I went up on an open mic and I played some of my old scumbag songs. And, and, and the crowd was completely horrified. I mean, people were leaving and, and, and cursing me out, and and I was like, "This is awesome! <laughs> like, like, like this is like this is like it's so out of place that right. it was great, you know." So I started doing that for a while and, and really enjoyed terrifying audiences, like like just making them like, "Oh my god!" You know, we came here to hear of something like like James Taylor, and we're getting. God spit on me, and I got the crabs.
1: (laughs) Gary, that's awesome. Yeah, there's there is a place for that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, Um, in terms of like like uh, like that, I use the word shock. The shock of it all, just Mm -hmm. the experience of being part of it and dealing with. uh, It's all part of the experience. It's like it's all wrapped in there. Uh, Just so that um, when did, if you don't mind me asking, so when did you realize you had that desire to like to play that kind of stuff and to to almost like the, the rudeness and the belligerence and stuff like that. When did that kind of come into play? Uh, Ever since I was a kid, like when I was really young, I saw Alice Cooper on TV
0: and, and that was it. I was like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be, I want to play loud music and I want to be a villain. And I want to, Scare the living shit! Up. I want to scare people so bad that maybe they'll actually behave and not want to deal with this
1: bad person. That's or interesting. Be that yeah, bad person. So that's uh, that's interesting in terms of like you want to do something, but uh, like why? Like what's the why? I think that's interesting in terms of like ultimately you're 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 doing it from almost like a place of not of caring, but uh, it, it's like you, you want to make people change their behavior or notice or something like that.
0: Yeah. Like, like It's almost like they make people look inside, look at that dark, look at how bad you really are. And do you mm. really want to be that bad person? Mm.
1: That's fascinating. You know, like, like a mirror to be a mirror. Yeah. That's it. I've never heard it. I've never heard it put that way, but I, I guess I, I've never really asked anybody why. Um, because because there always is a why like why do you want to do this like because because one you have something to say and two it's like you want to you want to make a difference in some way yeah and it was also a great
0: way for me to get rid of this i mean there's a second reason to which is to unleash all that anger and angst and frustration in a way that it can be done without hurting people and also when you're doing that your audience is partaking in it because it's a very interactive experience so you're giving them the opportunity to release all that anger in a way where nobody's getting hurt and everybody's agreeing on this is what we're going to do and then leave and then have after having that release maybe that energy that darkness is not going to come out in ordinary in the ordinary world on on unsuspecting people
1: that you might normally inflict it upon yeah release valve mm-hmm yeah yeah it's interesting like it's all i i like that that idea uh i just like it's interesting to go to like the punk shows versus metal shows and i'm not sure if we talked about this last time but um like for, like we went to see the menzingers in uh, bethlehem five about two years ago at this point and it was and we're like you know we're in the pit and, and having a good time and it was a blast and it was so much fun and people everyone's like getting you know getting their jollies out and everything. But everyone was respectful. Everyone's helping each other up. And by the end of the show, I just, I felt so light and so released. Um, as opposed to the, end of the last Danzig show I went to. Um, Goat Whore was one of the bands that opened. And it was just, basically in in those pits, it's just, it's like, I remember, I'm, I'm a smaller guy. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember like two, the two, like, behemoths, these massive guys and they just sat there and just like literally just ran into each other and ran into each other and ran into each other I, I guess the idea wasn't until one of them, you know, could no longer get up, uh, uh, so it was just an interesting dynamic to see one versus the other but um, I, I don't know, I guess you, you have you, you have both sides of the coin that is,
2: Yeah,
0: there, I mean in some ways yeah, there is a, is a difference between the two crowds um, except when you hit like, like you know, like when we, we were younger, like a crossover sort of started, and that mixing of, of metal, punk, rap, and you know, all of that. And that's like another thing I, I, I thought would be different too. Is I thought music would be more united. Hmm. You know, I thought there wouldn't be these extreme separate genres. But there is, you know, and, and I look back at it like like people are like I like this type of music or I like that type of music or I like this, you know. And I'm looking back like it's the nineties, I'm like, man, it was like all the same shit. It was just considered like alternative, you know, rap, punk, metal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, it seems like uh, everyone is kind of just divided themselves into tribes in terms of music and and everything else. It's, mm-hmm. it's tribalism.
0: Yeah, it's it's completely weird, like. You know, I could go see like Public Enemy one night and Exploited the next night, and see some of the same people at those shows.
1: Was it you that went to? I forget
0: the what's Prophets of Rage? Yeah, was it you. Yeah, okay. yeah, I saw them at uh, the Stone Pony.
1: Oh wow! Okay, that yeah. must have been a pretty pretty cool place to see them. Yeah, it was an awesome show. It was really really good. How's that? The, how's the venue
0: holding up? It's, it's exactly the same as it's always been. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. Nothing has changed. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's one of the few places that are still around in Jersey. You know, hmm. All the other places have gone out of business, been knocked down. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's kind of weird. I mean, the only places here like, really are just, is, um, I think it's a, a bowling alley place, which is in Asbury, Stone Pony. Starland Ballroom hmm. and the casinos now is where people are playing.
1: Which is where all the old school punk yeah. bands are playing now. Yeah, Dead <laughs>
0: Kennedys. Oh, well, well, it's, it's, that that cracks me up that the Dead Kennedys are playing at a casino. Are you going to that show, by the way? I don't know. It's in June. You know, I don't know how I feel about a Dead Kennedys without Jello Biafro. Hmm. Is it really the Dead Kennedys, you know? I think maybe I'd rather go see Jell-O with the Melvins. Hmm. Because I think, you know, know, I'm more of a Jell-O fan than anything else. I mean, he he wrote the songs. He was the mastermind, Hmm. I think. What's your opinion on that?
1: On Dead Kennedys? Mm -hmm. Um... I was never a huge fan. Um, I had like one or two albums and they were, I thought they were fun. Um, I mean, I, obviously he, he's like an important figure and I respect everything that, that he put together. Um, but I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't always a huge fan of their stuff.
0: Hmm.
1: What band were you, what punk band were you the biggest fan of? Like, what band did you like the most? Oh, Not even sure if you would. I guess you'd call them a punk band. Um, I I loved Misfits. Uh, I loved I love I love Sam Hain or mm-hmm. more than Misfits. Um, I, I guess they're they're goth punk. I don't know. Uh, I like the Accused a lot. Like one of that splatter punk stuff. Um, but it was I I leaned more toward like crossover and metal. Like like mags were one of my favorites. Um, but I mean. I don't know if you would, would consider Sam Hain a punk fan, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't
0: know. I don't know. That's sort of like a cross. Like Misfits, Sam Hain, all that stuff I would sort of consider a crossover. How about DRI? Love DRI. I think they just my, celebrated something like 40 years together.
1: Yeah, yeah. My uh, my stage name was Dirty Rotten Bill. Um, so, <laughs> like, back in the day, like, everything was Dirty Rotten this, Dirty Rotten that. So it was, when it was time to choose stage names, that was, that was the obvious. Hmm.
0: Yeah, somewhere I have, I have a picture of me as a kid with a DRI shirt on. Oh,
1: yeah? Yeah. I was, um, I was driving around, this was probably last year, and I just pulled up in this parking lot, and this person had, it was kind of a weird mix. Uh, they had two big Ozzy Osbourne stickers on the back of their window and then a big skank man in the middle of it. It was like, what? That's, that's kind of just a strange pairing, but I, I thought it was pretty cool. No, I used to do that too. Like I, I like I said, like I, I'd go to like a, um,
0: you know, like a, a DRI show one night, a Public Enemy show the next night, a Mighty Mighty Boston's show the next following night. You know, um, maybe a James Addiction show, or it was just all this variety of, of of music, yeah, that would you know just touch different
1: parts of your being. Gary, that's an awesome point. I, I love that. Um, like, I, I still listen to all the stuff I listened to as a kid. But honestly, I I, I find myself—I'll be honest with you—I listen to like Taylor Swift. Like some of her new albums, they're actually really damn good. I don't care. I don't care. It, it's really good, and it it touches something. Like if it makes you feel something, then I think it's awesome.
0: Yeah. Now I mostly—I I don't know. I, I've, ever since COVID hit, I've been listening to a lot of stoner doom music, things like, uh, electric wizard, sleep, okay. um, just really heavy, slow grinding type of music. Um, and, and it's an interesting style because I mean, it does attract again, metalheads
1: and punk rockers, you know, I imagine there's probably like a lot of people like that. Um, like that seems to me, if it's, it fits it. That reminds me of, like, uh, like Uriah Heap and, like, like old, like, Zeppelin stuff, too. I like imagine that it draws a lot of those books, too. That just the old, like, the hard rock folks And even, like, Fish People, probably.
0: Maybe. I, I don't know. Like I've never... I haven't quite seen that, you know. I've definitely seen the mesh of, of punk and and Metalheads. Um, I mean, Clutch brings in, like, a pretty wide variety of the crowd. because It's like, mm-hmm. they're almost like a, a Grateful Dead of, of of hard rock, you know, and yeah. you know, all they do is tour and they do different set lists every single night.
1: That's cool. It seems like they really enjoy it. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and they're fans. They're, they're fans just like, like, I went to a clutch show and I, I didn't know anybody but by the end of the
1: night I had like five new friends. You know?
0: Oh, that's awesome. It's just everybody hangs out
1: and talks to each other. I, I think I, that's one of the things I miss most about going to shows as a kid. Like, because you would, one, like you would go to these, um, you would see, it would have like a headline or like someone minor, like the fiends or something like that. But then you would have five or six bands like leaning up in front of them and you would hear something different all the time. And it was like, uh, and some of it would be very exper- experimental and it, mm-hmm. you know, it wouldn't last, but it was just really different. It was, and like, as a musician, as a, and as a fan, you're just looking at it and you're saying, that's really interesting. And it just makes you think about it differently. it gives you ideas. And it's just, uh, it was just a really cool time. It was a really wow. cool time. Actually, The Fiends are up there with one of
0: my favorite bands. Oh, yeah? Gravedigger is one of my favorite albums. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I love that garage stuff.
1: Yep. Um, what kind of car
0: do you drive?
1: Oh, God. It's a Honda something. Um, I'm not a car guy it's uh it's like i think it's a cr it's a crv that tells you how much of a car guy i am that i don't know what it is hmm. nothing remarkable no so,
0: so so do you have any bumper stickers
1: uh i do not uh i did i used to have this truck that i loved back in the day it was like this tiny little pickup truck and um i i loved that car but um yeah i had a couple bumper stickers on that but um but just like a dance, it was like a dancing Sam Hain mag Nothing, nothing too exciting. Hmm. Are you, uh, are you decked out? I, I, have a Jeep Wrangler. Okay. Um,
0: all my bumper stickers have have fallen off, uh, i I gotta replace them with something offensive. It's gonna make nice. people think. I still am about trying to get people to think outside of the box. And with like, like with your book, do you, do you think that's one of the things that you're trying to do too, is to get your readers to think outside of their box?
1: I hope it makes people think. Like for me, this the, this book was about reflection, and um, and it, it is it's it, so it's equal parts like vulgarity. Like the the band the band that he was in was named Kumsok. Like again, very vulgar and just trying to get people's attention, make people like wake up to a degree. Um, but this is a I think this is a lot about, too, it's a, so the book in in some way is about redemption and and just kind of finding yourself, but it's also about the people that wake you up. Um, So you might meet someone along the way, whether it's at a show or or maybe you work with someone or or whoever it is that just all of a sudden, like, you you just find this connection. And it might not last. It might be for a short time. It might be a couple of weeks, a couple of years, um, whatever it is, but then they're gone. But that person like leaves like a thumbprint on you because they they make you they open your eyes to something uh, they make you feel something you haven't felt before. uh, And they just change you. And I think that's an amazing thing. It's sad because, like, again, you might never see these people and they meant so much to you. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like my bandmates, like they were my brothers, absolutely my brothers. And they always will be. I one of them I haven't seen since 2004. The other two guys I see maybe once or twice a year. But but I absolutely love them. And and they're my brothers because of what we went through. Um, Same with like people that I've met just in the past 10 years, like um, co-workers or or whatever. It's just um, they they make an impression. They become friends. um, And once they're gone, they're gone. But uh, I I just find I I just find that such a really interesting part of life. Um, It's a sad part of life. But just having the experience of of meeting those people and them affecting you I think is really cool
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know one of the things that I have found interesting too is because of the podcast and I work with a lot of other podcasters too we've all gotten to know each other almost all of us are former musicians mm-hmm. you know we're, it's just we found a different um, medium to get the message out one that's going to attract a larger audience. Are your former bandmates still doing any playing music, or have found other outlets for their message? Like you found being an author a way to get your message out. Like mm-hmm. that part never goes away. It never leaves us. We always want to get our message out, no
1: matter what.
0: Yeah. So
1: it's the older we get. It's like we've, we'll just find a different way to do it. Right, yeah. Yeah, two of the guys I was in the band with, um, they're still playing music um, one is, is doing really well. Um, one is the, the album that I, I sang backups on. Um, he's, it's really interesting. He's, uh, he's playing with like a lot of the guys that played on, on the album, um, like Descadina. Um, and, um, Oh my God, I'm blanking on the name. Oh my God. I'm blanking on his name. One of the guys from Nasty. Oh, I hate it. But anyway, he's, he's, he's like friends with like punk royalty now. And he's like in this really, I'm so proud of him and happy for him because he's, he's living the life. Like he gave his life over to it. Like that's his life and he loves it. And he's gotten to this point where he's just, he's kind of in, he's in the in crowd. It's really awesome. He's in the in crowd in the punk circles. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. It's like you, if you have something to say, like you're going to find a way to, to get it out. And I guess your point about the podcast and, I've talked to a few other podcasters in the past few years, and at least two of them were musicians as well.
0: Yeah, it's definitely very common. Hmm. What do you think drives it? Do you think that uh, people like musicians and artists really influence the world and culture to change? Or what we're doing is just
1: futile? I think good I'll use the word art um just for the for the catch all. I mean I think yeah, it absolutely affects people individually. Um and to me that's about all the all the collective Because like, how many like bands or, or writers or whoever that you've read that absolutely had such a huge effect on you, made you think made you feel a certain way, made you think a certain way. Um so that stuff kinda adds up whether or not the rest of, of society pays attention, I, I don't know, but I, I think you can definitely have an effect on someone and just because of, of the words that you say, the, 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 the art that you make, whatever. Um, I, I think it absolutely makes a difference.
0: Which brings up that age-old question. Is, it, is art imitating reality or is reality
1: imitating art?
0: Hmm. What do you think?
1: Uh, they're, they're both hand-in-hand. I, I find... Um, the whole thing—the the truth is stranger than fiction—is absolutely true because you know you, you read these books, um, and they're, they're just ridiculous. But if you look at, I guess it is art imitating life because, like now, the world we live in is so much stranger than most of the stuff you'll read in fantasy novels. Hmm. I'm gonna go
0: with reality imitating art. Yeah, yeah, because our minds create the reality that we live in to begin with. So if if my mind is creating this particular reality, it's the same mind as creating the art. So it's possible that the art comes first and then that influences other people's minds and then things start working as a collective. Uh, There's probably something to that, yeah. Hmm. So um, any... uh, Future books coming out? Any
1: new projects?
0: Uh, I have a,
1: a, my next book will be out in, I think it's February, 2023. So that'll be exciting. That's more, that goes back to more of, um, that's actually, it's, a, it's an apocalyptic horror sci-fi, um, but I, I, but it's a, uh, it's rooted in, uh, it's rooting, rooted in a place of transformation and discovery and, and, and connection. Um, it, it's about someone who, uh, it's actually my first novel with um, with a woman as the as a protagonist as, she, as the primary the primary character, um, but it, it's all about the connections that that people try to make with each other and with other beings not not, not necessarily human animals etc. Um, but uh, I'm excited about that one. So that one's more horror sci-fi, and then I have. Um, Another one I just finished and another one I just started. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping for a bunch more to come out in in successive years.
2: Hmm.
0: Do you have any desire maybe to work in film, to bring some of these out to, you know, in, you know, film or different media?
1: I would love to. Um, I don't have any really connections in that space. To be honest with you, I I love plays. I would love to to have a a play produced. Interesting. Because yeah.
0: I know a filmmaker in Philly, his name is Adam Lupe. Okay. And he, he does um, very, I don't know how you call it horror, but very cerebral type of drama. Hmm. That's very multi-layered with a lot of meaning behind it.
1: Adam Lupe, I'll have to look him it's up. L-I-P-P-E. Thank you.
0: Yeah, he's a friend of mine. Just tell not you know
1: me. Oh yeah. Okay. Great. Is he uh, is he from uh, your your punk fast?
0: No, huh? I met him podcasting.
1: Uh, we've been friends, and
0: he lives in Philly. Had him on quite a few times. Yeah, excellent. Very interesting, smart guy.
1: Yeah, I I, I love uh, anything that gets people to pay attention. I think is a good thing. That's um, one of the reasons why I like plays, which is kind of like a. Not that it's dying, but I don't think too many people pay it. Not I as many people I pay it. I love attention.
0: plays too, actually. I love going to the theater. Any, yeah, any live entertainment, honestly. It has a more emotional human connection than sitting there watching something on a screen.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like they go, not every play, um, but a lot of plays, they just go very They, they just go very deep. But it's not, um, like a lot of the movies you watch are just very surfacing. Um, but they Plays really—they just—they—they they pull off a band-aid.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love live theater. Um, so, uh, before we wrap it up, where's the best place
1: for my listeners to find
0: you and get your books?
1: Uh, the most central place is probably my just my main website, which is uh, wjdonahue.com. So all the books are up there, all my other, all my social, etc. Uh, you know the books are available in you know bookstores, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all that kind of stuff. But the uh, dot com is probably the best place to start. All right. So what I'll do is I'll put
0: a link to that in notes of this episode. So if my listeners want to check your book out, uh, they can um, click on it and read it, buy it. And I encourage them to do so, and also I hope they leave reviews because reviews are what really sell books <laughs> more than anything else. Um, and it's been a pleasure talking with you and, uh, it's been great. Thanks for coming back on again. Same here, Gary. I appreciate you uh, taking the time and having me on. Awesome. Hang on for one moment and I'm just going to play the outro.
2: to him at everythingimaginable imaginable 2020 at gmail.com he's also on facebook twitter instagram and linkedin you can buy t-shirts coffee mugs and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast click on the merchandise link at the top of this page www.everythingimaginable2020.com by the book Enlightenment Guarantee. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. If you loved what you listened to today, don't forget to rate, rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to everything imaginable with Gary Cochillo.